everyone. Welcome back to the podcast and happy Ascension Sunday. Um, I hope that everyone is feeling better, recovering, and we will be back on Zoom this Sunday just to make sure that everyone has a chance to fully recover before we start to get back in person in June. Uh, So just some quick housekeeping things. Uh, Next week we'll be handing out pride packs at church. Our next garden day is June 12th and definitely keep the San Fernando Valley Pride on your calendar uh, for June 25th. And we're raising money, uh, so look out for the Facebook fundraiser. And of course, if you don't have Facebook, that's okay. You can also submit that directly to us, and then we can direct the funds to uh, SFV. So I think that's all the housekeeping stuff for now. Um, really excited to see you all again in June. Oh, and also, lastly, join us starting this Wednesday for the first Batman and Theology group. And if you have time to watch Batman Begins from the Christopher Nolan series for a discussion, and if you don't have time, that's totally okay. Uh, Bob is going to share some select clips for us to talk about around the theme of what does it mean to be religious, especially religious in America. Uh, and we also recognize that the last you know, 10 days or so have been extremely heavy um, here in, in this country as we've seen, you know, religious divide, as we've seen gun violence, as we've seen uh, Roe versus Wade face all the opposition that it has. Um, and it, it feels heavy to be present to all of those things right now. Um, and if you need time just to take a second, pause this, do what you need to do in terms of giving yourself space to journal or think about those things, um, feel free to do that. Otherwise, you know, we'll, we'll move into this conversation, but we'll also make some time on Sunday um, to kind of hold each other as we collectively grieve um, and try to figure out, you know, what are we called into in this time. Um, okay, so here is the text for our reading this week in Luke 24. 44 through 53. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them as, out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. The word of the Lord. Um, so this text concludes the book of Luke. And then another version of it opens the book of Acts. And this is the bridge between the two texts. We've talked about how the author of Luke was the author of Acts as well. So it's kind of this part one, part two. And there are several differences between the text, um, including the timeline and the fact that there are then visitors in the Acts text. And this is coming from Acts 1, 9-11. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
while he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven. Suddenly two men in white robes stood by them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go. So there are some who have dedicated you know, their entire careers to studying Luke and Acts, um, and we'll focus less on the specifics of the text and more on the proposition that they offer. The ascension is essentially Jesus's last act on earth. It is mystical and physical and an interesting end, I think, to Jesus's time on earth. If you think about the author of Luke and the story of Jesus as, you know, a more typical story, it makes sense that there is no simple way to wrap up Jesus's time. He doesn't die as he's already been resurrected, but he's no longer on earth either. And so in many ways, the ascension is an ending. Um, there are several very interesting portrayals of the ascension in art. Um, Salvador Dali's is a very interesting one in which you see, all you see of Jesus is his feet. So it's from the perspective of the onlookers. And these are, you know, feet that have walked the roads, that will, will no longer do so in the same way. Um, the feet that were anointed just before crucifixion. Um, this, is, this is a goodbye. And, and Jesus' story in Luke's gospel comes to that end. And yet, when we turn to Acts, this is also a beginning. The same scene, with albeit different timing, begins another story. The story of the church. And now Luke seems to take a different tack turning an, an eye towards kind of the worldly versus the mystical. Now the emphasis is on what to do now. I think it's notable about this particular description, especially uh, those words that we receive from the Acts text, um, that we're being called towards the congregation as to ask, why are you standing looking up at heaven? Don't just stand there. Do something. And last year I talked about, with this text, the power and presence of absence. I referenced a quote from Henry Nouwen that says, There's a ministry in which our leaving creates space for God's spirit, and in which, by our absence, God can become present in a new way. So there's something mystical, creative, and powerful about the divine's presence within us, even without Jesus's continued physical presence in a human expression. You know, Ryan led a meditation last week saying, the divine is within you. And even as Christ ascends, we know in this next week where we'll talk about Pentecost, uh, the Holy Spirit fills many with her ongoing presence. And so all throughout this narrative of the ascension, there's a creative tension between the mystical and the worldly aspects of faith and action. There's something super active and mystical about Jesus's ascension itself. And there's also something quite active and mystical about the continuing work of the church. Jesus goes as he is blessing them. So even in his departure, he's still leaving them with something. And at the same time, the disciples are kind of rebuked by these heavenly visitors. Don't watch heaven. We've already talked about how um, 
some strains of Christianity can get caught into kind of eschatological entrapment of focusing solely on a very specific vision of the afterlife that, you know, maybe involves pearly gates and sayings about our time on earth, including, you know, this is in our home, which removes any accountability or responsibility for the state of crises here on earth. And so we've asked the question, what about earth as it is? What if earth is our home, which it is, and it's the home of future generations? You know, there's been a lot of really intense things going on around on social media, um, particularly from some very conservative strains of Christianity, um, you know, that say, we don't have a gun problem, we just have a sin problem. And even in this, there's so much removal of, one, I think, the truth of the matter, and two, uh, kind of the responsibility to understand all of the different kind of hypocritical natures of what's been going on in our kind of daily daily news right now. Um, that only some people are allowed to maintain their freedom over their body or their autonomy, and other people are allowed uh, to take those things away. Uh, these are these are really hard things to understand, to balance, to talk about, um, whether to your kids or to your family, to your local community, and there's no right way, there's no one right way of being present to these things, um, but we do know that there has to be a balance um, that includes action, that includes um, reaching out to those who are able to make change in the policies that we are able to support states for progressive truth. You know, something Laura Armbruster said last Sunday had given me a lot of good time to think. Um, I know we've had quite a lot of good conversations about huge concepts over the past couple of years. I mean, it's been incredible what kind of ground we've covered in these conversations. And I know that it can take a lot to consider heavy important topics every week, even if they mean a lot to us. And y'all know, I know, that I can go off on rally cries for justice and shaking fists at the system, uh, which is necessary to do because of how rarely we might hear it in other church spaces. And it can also be easy to get caught up in the passion we have for the work that still exists within and outside of the church walls. And I think about Jesus and his perspective. As he ascended and the ways that he kind of released control over the continuation of the church knowing full well how many twists and turns and difficulties the early church would have and this goes for the continuation of the church over the centuries as well um, i think sometimes it's necessary to take pause to take stock and realize where we've been where we are and where we're going Mission Hills has undergone so much change in the last six years, and of course, a ton of change in the last two years. And some folks who walk in for the first time today have no idea you know, what this community has gone through. We name our values uh, throughout our liturgy each week, so much so that sometimes it feels like a primary language at this point. 
And while we are creedal or hold specific theological beliefs that everyone in attendance must adhere to, there are values that hold us together, especially about how we think about the relationship between people and one another. And so this week we've uploaded some graphics of kind of where we've been in terms of environmental justice, LGBTQ inclusion, and anti-racism efforts. And there's still plenty more to do, especially in our walk with anti-racism. But I also think it's um, necessary to just take stock to celebrate some of the things that we have been through and learned from together. At its core, we hope for Mission Hills to continue to be a space that, while it may feel like we have a lot of people come and go, it's been a landing ground for folks who have been burned by the church, or a space that gives permission to take care of yourselves, even if that means not attending on Sundays. And, you know, I think for some it might feel strange that our goal isn't necessarily to grow to a certain number, but rather to keep being a space for honest conversation, challenge, and learning. We don't require anything to pr prove your commitment to the church. Um, and we have a ton of people who would call Mission Hills home, but no, don't necessarily attend in person consistently. And we love that. We love that people feel that freedom to engage with the community in a way that's healthy and helpful for them. And as we talked about before, by all intents and purposes, we're a pretty unique space, which I know you all already know. And I think it's something we're celebrating together as something that we've co-created. We implicitly try to be a community that's not focused inward, but focuses outward on how we go back to our other communities and actually live into the things that we talk about. So whether it's as a school teacher, a nonprofit organizer, an entrepreneur, a parent, a friend, we all have situations that take work to transfer from our Sunday conversations into the grit of day-to-day -day life. I'm on uh, the Denominations Board for Transforming Communities, and I think it's been really powerful that other church leaders see what we do at Mission Hills and really express gratitude for the different ways of thinking about how church has been done um, and how it might be done in the future. Because between ecological crisis, the state of the overall like capital C church, and daily news updates of violence and impending doom, um, sometimes we have to take a step back, ascend perhaps for a second, and take stock of the vision and the hope for this particular space. Again, we've covered quite a bit of ground over the last few years, whether that's been in supporting COVID funds that helped out members of Mission Hills, neighborhood beautification days, protests for Black Lives Matter, a Wednesday night group, and Sunday morning discussions. And again, it's taken every single person who's been a part of this to make it what it is. There is no way that any one of us could ever do these things alone, and that especially goes for the work of justice, for the work of love, for the work of being human and figuring out what that actually means. And so we want to create space this Sunday to kind of talk about that vision and hope um, and also fill you all in on some of the things that uh, Ryan's been doing behind the scenes and has now kind of come to fruition. One being that the church is invested in carbon offsetting. Reverends commute to and from church every week. 
meaning that we paid funds to green organizations whose impact will offset the carbon footprint that it takes from everyone's commute, including mine, uh, each week to church, which I think is awesome. We are already a carbon neutral church, but this is a conscious effort to be carbon negative, meaning that we have a greater impact on the whole. We'll also be investing in a network called 1% for the Planet. Um, 1% for the Planet is a network where small businesses and communities donate the equivalent of 1% of their total yearly impact to environmental nonprofits. And we'll have a couple of nonprofit partners that we get to build relationships with over time and also contribute to having you know, this greater carbon impact. And our environmental impact is a big part of who we are and what we stand for. And again, another marker of how far that we've come. The goal within this space is to continue to be a safe home for those who connect with the inclusive nature, the theological wandering that we call Mission Hills. And I'd like to think that there are few right answers inside these walls and instead perhaps just right attitudes. And we continue to yearn, lament, celebrate, and do life together, and that is worthwhile. The ascension means that there is stuff left up to us. And also, the tiniest garden is still a beautiful work of art. There's something about allowing ourselves to see this both and that is helpful for establishing a vision for the future of the church. To not just stand there and watch heaven, but to focus on the people around us, the issues around us. We need both that bird's eye perspective and the tangible in the day to day. And while I could imagine how overwhelming it would be for the disciples in the wake of Jesus's ascension as they looked around and saw just how much work had to be done, it all starts by just pulling at one thread. In a quote from Ursula Wolf Roca, it can be overwhelming to witness, experience, take in all of the injustices of the moment. The good news is that they're all connected. So if your little corner of work involves pulling at one of the threads, you're helping to unravel the whole damn cloth. So friends, let's continue to pull at the threads, to share love to one another in the process to create space to grieve and to mourn, but also to get active and to not just watch heaven. <laughs>